0: The first time that we meet Eleanor Shellstrop, the camera is zoomed in on her eyes. Blinking, she tries to adjust to the lighting of her new environment. The camera zooms out and we see her sitting in what looks like a nondescript dentist's office. Beige paint, plastic plants, uninspiring furniture. On the wall is written in large green letters a message that reads, welcome, everything is fine. Eleanor is played by Kristen Bell, and she's one of the main characters in the NBC television show, The Good Place. In its four season run from September 2016 to January 2020, The Good Place used a comedic touch to explore the nature of evil and sin, cosmic rewards and punishments, and the question of life after death. In short, The Good Place in its own way deals with the same kinds of stuff that's involved in the readings and the prayers and the songs that make up our All Saints Day liturgy. In the first episode, we, along with Eleanor, learn that she's sitting in the waiting room to what's referred to as the good place. That Eleanor winds up here in in heaven instead of in the bad place, hell, is a surprise to her. On earth, Eleanor was cruel and self-centered, she wasn't a mass murderer or anything, but she's sh- certainly not the kind of person that you'd want to have as a house sitter for you. Um, she's someone that didn't think that she'd wind up in heaven. She was the, a run-of-the-mill kind of jerk, someone who lived her life largely for herself and by herself. The good place, she is told, is for the best of humanity. It's a paradise that looks like an upmarket outdoor mall kind of crossed with Disney World's Main Street, USA. She's told that it's designed to reward people who have devoted their lives to the service of their fellow humans. She immediately knows that she doesn't belong in this afterlife made for philanthropists and great teachers and spiritual luminaries. And yet, even though Eleanor is aware of this cosmic accounting error, consistent with her character on earth, she tries to take advantage of the situation. Well, what we all come to find out eventually in the program is that Eleanor is actually not in the good place at all. Instead, she's landed in an elaborate experiment architected by the demons of the bad place who are tired of flaying people alive for eternity or cramming spiders in people's noses. So a creatively ambitious demon called Michael, played by Ted Danson, decides to beta test a new version of the afterlife. He conscripted Eleanor and a handful of other recently deceased misanthropes into an elaborate form of psychological torture that's designed to slowly drive people to misery over thousands of years. So in the world of the good place, people's eternal destinies come down to a cosmic balance sheet of good and bad deeds. Do enough good and you can wind up in the good place, enough bad and you'll spend eternity being tortured. As the show progresses, however, we realize that this system of rewards and punishments is broken. Due to the complex and interconnected world that we live in today in the 21st century, it's made it almost impossible for someone to actually outweigh the amount of evil that they do, either indirectly or the evil that's done on their behalf. Own a car? Well, all that CO2 pollution counts against you. Go shop at The Gap or own an iPhone? Well, the working conditions of the people around the globe adds points to your evil tally. Pay taxes, Well, the violence of the world's militaries is fueled by your earnings and counted against your eternal destiny in the world of the good place. So late in the show, we find out that the bad place, while it's stuffed to the brim, the good place is practically empty. And to make matters even worse, when we meet people in the real good place, people like Abraham Lincoln or St. Thomas Aquinas, and inexplicably the where's the beef lady from the Wendy's commercial, well, we get a sense that spending forever in the good place can be kind of boring. Without the challenge of new experiences, their afterlife can get kind of dull. I mention all of this because I think that the depiction of the afterlife in the good place reflects how a lot of people imagine heaven and hell and the afterlife. If I live a good life on earth, I'll go to heaven when I die, and I can enjoy unending ice cream Sundays and I can ride around on rainbow ponies. Well, in contrast to this pop culture theology of our readings this morning, Jesus offers us a sketch of a different vision of heaven. Jesus isn't just talking about a good place that you go to when you die. He's offering us a whole new way to think about our life in the present. Our gospel this morning is at the beginning of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, The Sermon on the Mount is a major collection of three chapters of Jesus's teaching from Matthew chapter five through Matthew chapter seven. He covers topics ranging from how to be appropriately angry with your brothers and sisters, to how to pray to God, his father. Yet more than just a manual on how to follow in the way of Jesus, in this sermon, Jesus is also describing the kind of movement, the kind of new world order that God is starting. And God is starting this new thing in this world through Jesus and with his followers. This new thing that is beginning is called by Jesus the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to turn this world upside down. Listen to how Jesus describes it in this alternative translation of the Beatitudes that Deacon Denise read for us this morning. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the hillside and sat down, and his disciples came to him. He took a deep breath and began his teaching. Wonderful news for the poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Wonderful news for the mourners, you're going to be comforted. Wonderful news for the meek, you're going to inherit the earth. Wonderful news for, the, for people who hunger and thirst for God's justice, you're going to be satisfied. Wonderful news for the merciful, you'll receive mercy yourselves. Wonderful news for the pure in heart, you will see God. Wonderful news for the peacemakers. You'll be called God's children. Wonderful news for people who are persecuted because of God's way. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you. And wonderful news for you when people slander and persecute you and say all kinds of wicked things about you falsely because of me. Celebrate and rejoice. There is a great reward for you in heaven. That's how they persecuted the prophets who went before you. This is some politically revolutionary preaching. So revolutionary, in fact, that it's because of claims like these, which turn political and religious and other power structures on their heads, that Jesus was eventually executed by the Roman state as a political dissident and revolutionary. Through his preaching, Jesus confronts the powerful, the well-fed, the self-assured and announces that the way of the world that led to the division between the powerful and the powerless is coming to an end. He preaches of a new order, where those who have experienced loss in the form of poverty or mourning or meekness or hunger, they find consolation. Those who the powerful discern as weak, those who are the merciful, the peacemakers, the pure, they all experience justice. And those who have been expelled to the margins, the persecuted, those who are slandered against, they are embraced at the center. This is the new vision of the world that Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. And here's what's really revolutionary about this. God did not become human in Jesus just to teach about heaven. God became human in Jesus to bring God's kingdom of heaven to earth. All throughout Matthew's gospel, whenever Jesus heals those who are sick, brings deliverance to those who are tormented by the devil, restores people to fellowship within their communities, or feeds those who are hungry, all of these things are described by Matthew as signs that the kingdom of heaven is getting closer and closer to earth, not just in the future but right here and right now. Jesus shows us that the kingdom of heaven is for today. Those who have experienced loss find comfort today. Those who are weak are raised up today. And those who are on the margins are brought into the center today. As Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in Matthew 6, on earth as it is in heaven today. So rather than thinking about heaven as the good place that you go to when you die, Jesus has made it so that heaven is the good place that comes to us so that we may truly live. Let me say that again. Jesus has made it so that heaven is the good place that comes to us so that we may truly live. Now, I know that it can be a challenge to believe this. It certainly was for Jesus' earliest disciples. Peter and the rest heard Jesus preach like this for years about the revolution of God's kingdom. And yet, they fled Jerusalem to go home to Galilee right after they saw Jesus die on the cross. They returned to Jesus once they had witnessed his resurrection and the coming of the Spirit. But many other early Christians gave up their faith after they experienced persecution for believing in the kingdom or after they lost hope because the kingdom's full realization was much slower and more difficult than they thought. It was in the context of early first century Christianity that we have the words of affirmation and comfort from the apocalypse of John, from the revelation of John. John writes to his audience at the end of the first Christian century and shares with them and with us a vision of God's kingdom fully realized. It's the kingdom of heaven crashing headlong into the systems of injustice and oppression and persecution that are characteristic of the world in John's day and the world in our own day today. John's revelation gives us a glimpse of the heavenly reality that is behind the earthly reality that we see. As the curtain is drawn back and time is seen from the perspective of God's eternity, we find God surrounded by the faithful who are engaged in eternal and unceasing praise and worship. And God is praised because the kingdom that God started through Jesus and continued by the Spirit in the life of Jesus' followers, this kingdom is going to be fully realized. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Church, we are followers of a revolutionary, and the revolution which we are part of seeks to bring God's heaven to this earth. And I pray that we all live And most importantly, vote this week in ways that bear witness to this alternative kingdom. God's kingdom of heaven is coming. It's a kingdom of consolation, justice, and inclusion. And it is coming through us. Amen.